Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, um, I am just off to meet uh, my walkie-talkie uh, this time. I've actually got two dogs uh, today. Um, the other one is a, a puppy, five months old, who I'm looking after for someone else. And um, obviously, as he's only five months old, he is uh, not quite as easy and relaxed as Basil. So you'll probably hear slightly more of him than you normally hear of Basil in this one. I'm struggling to hold both of them and the mic and everything else, but I'll manage. And um, yes, the chap I'm going to interview, it's a very, very soggy day here. and There's lots of squelchy mud around. Anyway, the chap I'm going to interview is someone I've known for a while. And um, he uh, helps me out of my house sometimes. And he, um, I find him very interesting. Um, he did the usual sort of, dropping a bit of a conversational bomb uh, which I always like and um, the only problem with him is I've noticed that whenever we talk about anything remotely sort of um, what's the word emotional or kind of um, uh, loaded in any way he uh, develops wild incoherence so let's hope that that doesn't happen too often um, on the podcast, or you might struggle to figure out what the hell he's talking about. But anyway, we'll give it a go. Okay. Are you doing very well? Look, I said to you, I'll have, I'll have Milo because he's difficult, and you have Basil, and now you've got Basil's lead and Milo. Yeah, very good. I know that's cleverly done by me. I thought, come on, Basil. Yes. Yes, listeners, you're going to hear the startling noise of Milo's extension lead hurtling backwards as he comes flying towards us. Stand, stand, Basil. Good boy. Good boy. So you suddenly said, apropos of nothing, in my kitchen the other day, hey. did I tell you my dad was gay? Oh, yeah. Which was... <laughs> I love it when people do that, because you're just like, I'll put the kettle on, I need to hear about this. What, yes, what, what, what? Yes. I think it's one of those formative life stories that uh, I forget who I've told and who I haven't. OK, Bazzy, you can go off, and when we're a little bit further away from the road, he can go off. Right, oh, OK, fine. Yeah, fine, OK. Unless that's the Doberman lady over there, in which case he cannot go off. Because, no. okay, good. The Doberman lady does look quite like a man, though. That's oh, right, yes. okay, okay. I'm right, still the jury's out, basically. Okay. I don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes. yes. Getting back to the story. Yes. No brothers or sisters. No. What did your father do? Uh, was and still is a gardener. Okay. 
And what did your mother do? Or did she look after you? Uh, well, back then, a variety of sort of jobs, but I think she was yeah, primarily looking after me. Okay. And then when you were six, I think you yes, said? Yes. Uh, well, Dad had a nervous breakdown and uh, he was um, he was hospitalised. I mean, I, yeah, being a youngster, I, I, swear, I, I didn't realise what was going on. It's kind of a sense of, sort of memories of, you know, or broken up memories of Dad not being there for a bit and we would go to see the, him. I've had vague memories of this, of the psychiatric hospital we went to. Must have been quite scary as a six-year-old going to see him in there. I think it was more strange because I think this was back in the day when I think psychiatric places, well, they were institutions, you know. Yeah. I mean, I... Um, there wasn't I, a lot of rehabilitation or anything, was there? It was no, just... I think, you see, I think you see long-term people being, it's just horrible, genuinely mad. I mean, mm. I, I, I say this, you know, I worked in a psychiatric ward for a time, and it's a different experience now. It's, yeah. Uh, but you would see, I think, long-term people who... They probably couldn't have been anywhere else. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And uh, I think there was a time where uh, my mum eventually, I mean, it, according to the telling of her, I don't know, she she basically got him discharged because she was worried that he was going to become institutionalised. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but fundamentally, there was a, he, he he had a nervous breakdown because he was trying to suppress feelings that he was a homosexual. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, if he was practicing, you know, practicing whatever, I don't know how yeah. he dealt with. Yeah. Uh, but massive guilt, though, for him. Yeah. If he was doing something, you know, seeing people on the choir or, uh, or whatever. I, mean, I don't know that he was, but I think I think it's probably massive guilt anyway. Because if you mm. if you're pushing that down, yeah. and, you know, you're married, you know, you've got a young yeah. son, and you feel you feel this way. And it's back in the day, you know, it was uh, what is it, late seventies. So although yes. It wasn't illegal anymore. I think you no, know, where there wasn't the social acceptance. I mean, for example, he's he's one of the then six brothers and a sister. He, right. he didn't tell them for years, right? Because back in the day, he was worried that they would beat him up. When he eventually came out to him, about, and this was about the nineties, um, they were fine, but that was oh. underwhelmed. Right. Yes. But I. Yeah, you know, I think particularly one of the thing is when you think of the 1970s, our experience of because I'm sort of the same vintage as, as you, I think, yeah, and yeah, yeah. the our experience of gay people was Larry Grayson, yes, wasn't it? And John Inman, and if you were gay, yeah. then therefore you wore a pink suit and yeah. you know floppy yeah. wrist and all the rest of it. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah, this yeah. stereotype. So to come out to have a wife and a son and to say actually that's not me, this is me, yeah. When that representation didn't even represent you, yeah. you know. It seems you're all in a psychiatrist's office, and on this particular occasion, I was about six. And it was at this point that he, that Dad, you know, the words came out. Um, I think I was sexual or gay. I don't know the phrasing. Yeah. And it seemed uh, a few moments later, I asked, "Can I go out to play, please?" Right. Because being six years old... Yeah, it was very boring know, and you didn't know. know. Yeah. Um, so did, did he leave the house after the the, uh, the the announcement? Or Oh my God, I think we're better off on this side. We're going for a quagmire here. Yeah. <laughs> he moved away from Northampton in 81. We moved back to London to move in with my grandparents. When you say we, all of you? Mum and me. Okay, where was he? He did, he, he did move out. Well, but actually, by way of um, 
I think he sort of certainly room lodging. He ended up he, he went to a agri, agricultural college to do a nursery uh, nursery qualifications. Because I mean, in a funny way, I think for him, he kind of he kind of did. He, in a sense, he allowed him to blossom. Actually. Well, because he was being authentic. He wasn't hiding. Yeah. So what were you told about where he'd gone? <coughs> I hadn't gone into hiding. I knew where he was. But what, when he but moved out, what were you... Uh, did you say Dad's gone to live somewhere else? Or? I, I, I can't actually remember the, conversa- the conversation. I think it was along the lines of, you know, Mum and Daddy love one another very much, but can't yeah. be together. So I knew they'd separated, and it was about eight or nine then. Right. Um... And did you have regular contact with your dad? Yeah, pretty regular. I mean, oh, that was it. We, we... He, at the time, he, you know, he's telling her, I don't want to be gay. I don't want to be this way. I want to change. Let's, you know, get back together. Um, really? Make a new start. That's what he was saying? Yeah. So really what good. prompted that, do you think? Just that he missed you or he felt guilty or...? I don't know. What did your mum say? My recollection of that time is we would periodically meet up uh, and I think the conversations would get very upset. I wasn't witness, they, I didn't witness directly them arguing. They, they kept that between themselves. I was going to say, they seemed to have protected, shielded you from yeah, yeah. a lot of the aggro, which... Yeah, so but I, not the aggro, think, the, it's I, an incredibly I, upsetting thing to go through. I think, yeah, I think they did. Uh, um, because... Um, and so actually, looking back on it, I, I, think it was, well, I think it was the right thing. How, what, what would a child make of two parents yeah. arguing in front of them? Yeah, yeah. About paying for emotional stuff. Yeah, especially about something that's they can't understand yet anyway. Summary, uh, a story just came to mind which I hadn't thought about for years. I remember we went to meet Dad at a college that he may have been residential there. Anyway. Yeah. And um, I think he'd, he'd grown her some marrows. Or he'd grown some pay, he gave us some marrows that he'd grown. Right. And I think at the end of the conversation, she, she chucked them under the wheel of the car and drove over them in, in anger. Wow. <laughs> the crushed marrow. Um, well, there's we, the title I, for the podcast anyway, The Crushed <laughs> Marrow. <laughs> um, and I knew she was upset. It was kind of one of those, you know, come on, get in the car. Right, yeah. Off we go. Yep. Uh, she didn't talk, no, didn't talk about it. But it was like, it, um, I knew she was upset. I knew something had Come happened. On. So I knew, I, I, by this, by, by the way, by this point, I didn't know, I didn't know he was gay. Right. Because although... When did you find out? Oh, when I was 16. Was that like an official, <coughs> he's yeah. 16 now, he can know? It was more of moving back to London. None of me moved back to London. And... Uh, and then one day she, you know, she said, "Look, you're saying you need to know about your dad," uh, because I suppose they, they didn't know, and they just they didn't they didn't tell me or discuss it with me. Mm. How did you feel? Well, when I was told. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I was t- first told, I mean, she basically, um, it was a sense of relief because when she, when she started telling me about something about my dad, she started crying. Right. I thought, oh, I thought, oh God, it's cancer. Oh. And he said, "You know, it's not about your dad." He's um, he's homosexual. Oh, thank goodness for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's like, so it's dark, not knowing much about it. Well, I suppose at that time, a Devon lad, you know. Well, I, I yeah. Knew, I kind of knew what 
homosexuality was, um, I'd read the Bible, for God's sake. Uh, That's not a great place to start, <laughs> if, if I may say. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's a bit limited in its, in its perspective. Um, <laughs> and then she said, look, there's something else you need to know. It's about your, he's got a partner. Went, oh, right. And uh, she said, no, he's, he's, he's black. I went, right. And he's a ballet dancer. And I, I burst out laughing. <laughs> because... <laughs> It was just... It's John Inman in a pink suit. Yeah, like... It was like, okay, so right, okay, that's that's a few boxes. For... I was going to say, ticked all the diversity boxes oh, yeah. there. Oh yeah, <laughs> well ahead of the curve on that one. Um, and then for a few days afterwards, I sort of you started to sink in. And, yeah. Uh, confiding in a couple of the mates, and I sort of thought, and, um, so when was this? Six to well, how did your mates react? Actually, they were pretty cool, actually. Okay. I didn't tell. Yeah, no, I do tell my close friends. It took us a couple of days to digest. Yeah. Because uh, um, basically, well, basically, he's a, well, I suppose you've been presented with uh, somebody having you know, a very different life. Yeah, yeah. That you knew nothing about. And, yeah. I mean, to this day, uh, I, I, think, I think they did do the right thing, just not to involve us in the detail uh, of why they broke up. I, I think, I, you know, I have issues around... Around the breakup, I think it has it did impact on us. When you say us, who's us? Well, me, really. Why, you, why is it easier to say us than me? Uh, just considered a career in. <laughs> <laughs> an interview. Um, I, I suppose there is a sense, I mean, it's, you know, here I'm talking to you, and it's all, you know, it's all my story, all my words, but I, I suppose I have trouble thinking of it as, as mine. Right. As, you know, it seems like it almost feels like the interesting stuff went on elsewhere. Right, and you, so you feel you were sort of shut out, or no? You were unaware. Unaware. I think protected. I think they felt they were protecting us. Maybe if they talked with us sooner, I could have gone. Well, actually, there's nothing I could have done. Yeah. Because you know, it's, it's, this is nobody's fault. He didn't ask. You know, do you think he loved your mum, or do you think it was convention that he just thought, "I'll cure myself by having a wife," sort of thing? I think the one thing, one thing she did say to us was. If, if Deb had fallen in love with another woman, she could have felt she could have done maybe something to win him back. Yeah. But how do you compete against... Yeah. Uh, a ballet dancer, for a start. Yeah. Good Actually, on, on its own merits, Dad and Patrick's story is quite romantic as well. I mean, literally, he, he met... They've met at the bottom of... Um, I mean, Andrew, my dad was, was living well, with his mum at the time. They literally bumped into each other at the phone box, and Patrick had, in effect, lived three or four streets away in Streatham, Mitchum Borders, for a number of years. But they'd been going to ballet schools, you know, all over Europe. Yeah. So it's I'm, this. I don't mean this to sound. Come on, snobby in any in any way, but that's quite a. It's quite a different world for your dad to be operating oh, in as a yeah. bloke from agricultural college who'd, you oh, know, yeah. had an ostensibly very straight, very kind of, um, you know, blue-collar world. Yeah, yeah. And all yeah. of a sudden he's with a black ballet dancer. I mean... Yeah, and because uh, his mate, uh, I think his name was Lee, I think it was Lee, right? he was one of the dancers in Hot Gothic. 
Oh! He did a commercial route in Patrick in the old school. Baz can go off here. Right. Thank um, you. Yeah, I remember hot gossip. So do I. Golly, they. Oh, you know, it was a. I think all my friend's dads still have fond <laughs> memories of hot gossip as well. Just, and pans um, people. You know, yeah, yeah, well, you know, hot gossip, they were, they were the rules. Yes. You no, know, he, he was a youngster. I think it was, the, um, I mean, just going back to when, you know, when I found out about dad being gay, I was sort of starting to think, doesn't mean I'm gay. And after two or three days, I thought, no, you're not, because you do fancy women. Yeah. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and he's, you know, thanks to hot gossip. Yeah. How, how it all, how, <laughs> how it all swings around. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, so they, so so they literally so Patrick was I think he was living in Sweden at the time and he was literally in London for a bit of a mini holiday and somehow there was he literally met the phone box at the end of the road because this was pre pre mobile phone pre yeah pre um, thingy oh what's it called I think it was nineteen eighty grinder and all that wasn't it oh, it was oh, just yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so, no, so it was just bumping into people how did how did you feel the first time you go, went to see them as a couple. Well, the first time you saw your dad once you knew, were you sort of looking at him thinking, I should have known, I should have... No. Uh, uh, did you know other gay people? Out gay people, I mean. Because obviously uh, you did know other gay people, they just might not have... Yeah, no, 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 no. actually no, not, open, not opening that. Um, and also at the time, I was an evangelical Christian as well. Goodness me, that's another... <laughs> <laughs> ah. Well, if you're going to do Christianity, mate, do it right. Yeah, go big or go home. Okay. <laughs> So, um, wow. I mean, because I, I, I think I was using religion as a bit of a coping mechanism from my own point. Yeah. Yep. Um, anyway, that's... Uh, yeah. Uh, See also Darren Brown, who has a very similar thing. Anyway. Whoop. Well, Darren Brown, was he? Mm. Evangelical Christian. Not but he realised because it was because he was trying to cope with the fact that he was gay. Yes. So, yeah. Yep. Uh, well, actually, that's this... I think it's a strange thing about um, meeting Dan and Patrick. He wasn't a new... He quickly became... Well, so just matter of fact, mundane every day. Yeah. Because of people. Yeah. Yes. Um, He's not prancing around in a tutu and mascara, and your dad's still your yeah. dad and doing yeah. his thing, and yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's just like. Because dad's very, uh, very talkative. Right. Uh, he, if he, well, I don't know if he would ever hear this, but if he, I think he'd be surprised to hear me speak so much because generally when we have conversation, it'll be him telling about the jokes. Right. Uh, okay. And then, here we go, you all right? I mean, <clears throat> I have realised he actually does listen more than he lets on. But so, Dad... No, talk, and also, talk, talk, talk. I believe you have been told that you use humour as a defence yes. mechanism. <laughs> yeah. And I would, I would propose, Your Honour, that your father does exactly the same and that's where you got it from. Yeah. Come on. No, you're not old enough to chase the squirrels yet. Um, Good boy. No, I mean, for him... If he'd stayed, what life would we yeah. have had? And frankly, oh, uh, I know one point he did say to me, Mum, that he thought it was perhaps a bit of a relief that he did go because he could have seen, he, he could have, I think when, he, when I was young, he, tried, he was trying to make me more of a man. I do recall one quite upsetting episode where he was trying to teach me how to fight, you know, just stick up for himself. Oh. That's how we're doing this sort of play fighting, and I didn't want to do it. No. Um, so, to be yeah. honest, I think I would be better in a fight than you, and I'm rubbish. <laughs> so I can see why that would be 
problematic because you are a very gentle person. Apart from when I'm driving. Ah, well, you, that's because you've got a van, you see. That's, well, yes, you have I to. think there is an element of yes. And so you got upset because he was trying to get you to fight? And he was trying yeah. to do that because... Basil! I think he was just trying to make us... Um... This is a load of cyclists coming through the forest and one's just gone base over apex yeah. in the mud. Where is the dog? There, according to them. Oh, there he is. Morning. 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 Good boy, Baz. Noisy bugs, aren't they? Oh. He went off crying <laughs> because it's just sound dark. He's, for something he's had you know, an impact on all of us. I don't like to ask them about it. <laughs> what stops you? Because it's painful for them. I think sometimes I've stopped because I, I think I'm fearful of what answers I might find. Um, I think in a funny way, I, I suppose I've built up a narrative. And I suppose I'm frightened that that will get challenged. Mm. In some ways, yeah, in some ways. I what are you agree. frightened of finding out? I don't know. The truth, God damn it. Um, I and I suppose <clears throat> I've kind of coped with things with the understanding that I have. So to change the understanding, what what would that change life into? Mm. Which sounds a bit limiting, really. So if you could let go of a bit of it, what would you let go of? Uh, what's what's holding you back? I think the self-imposed breaking inhibition of me, I think the uh, not speaking up, I think, I mean, that's caused, uh, I think, genuine anguish in my life. And <clears throat> not just for me, I think, you know, just... In your relationships? Yeah. So not being able to risk saying emotional truths because you're worried about what the damage will be? Yeah. Yeah, because I think no, uh, I think that's probably the one real impact is that no, a very close loved one, basically sorted off at a very formative age, and I never at that time didn't know why. I mean, I do, I did know subsequently, but somehow just internalised it and just didn't. There, mm. uh, no, I haven't felt guilty, and I think this is part of my defence. Mm. Uh, to actually think that they may have had feelings or explored the feelings, their feelings more. Yeah. I think I've probably found a bit too hard. Yeah. Well, of course, you were six. Yeah. Uh, and so, in a way, this kind of emotional siege mentality... <clears throat> well, it served us well up to a point. I haven't cracked up. <laughs> There's still time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Did your mum do that thing of making you the man of the house when he wasn't there? Yeah, I think, yeah, she did. I mean, it was uh, a very close friend of mine who's now living in New Zealand. Um, when he first met his well, wife, who they've been together, when, it, when, when they, they came around to see, no, no, see me, I was living with my mum's at the time. And uh, she made the observation that it was, we weren't so much. She seemed to be more like an old married couple than a mother and son, which, you know, horrified me. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, do you remember the sitcom Sorry? 
Yeah. Oh, language, Timothy? No. Yes. Yeah. Barbara Locke, Ronnie Corbett. Yep. I remember watching as a nine, ten-year-old being terrified. That that's what you were going to win. <laughs> oh. Yeah. No, it was a program I watched it and I, I couldn't see the humour, it was too close. Oh, gosh. Which, you know, I mean, that sounds horrible because it's sort of painting me, you know, me and her, like a bit, I think she, she, I think unintentionally. I think it was actually, I think, I think it was a good thing in a way that we did move to Devon when we did. Because I, I basically had a famous five existence down there. Yeah, it's the new mates on the weekend. We would be on the bike somewhere. Yeah. And you know that that was that was important because I suppose it gave us a sense of uh, I suppose one's, one's own strength and power, really. Yeah. You know, because I think and also being practical because you're, the job that you do now is a very practical job. Yep. I think there's an element sometimes in people who are very interested in learning how to do things there's, that they can always escape. They can always, they know they'll always be all right. Because yeah. they can always, you know. Yes, I can always just turn me and to. Yeah. I no, don't have to go on the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that reminds me of Slow You. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yeah. It, I remember, I think it was sort of some, I think it was a woman talking about DIY and how she loved it because it made her feel powerful. Yeah, I know, I know exactly where you come from, sister. Really? First time I put up shelves. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I thought, if you, can, if you can put up a shelf, you can build the fourth bridge. Right. <laughs> I think that's the acid test. Okay. Can you put up a shelf? No. Okay, don't bother building a bridge then. No, I won't. <laughs> Promise. Promise faithfully. There is a kind of a shame which is A, why didn't I realise that I'd married a gay man? And also, I wasn't good enough. I turned him, because there is always that thing, you know, you turned him. You were, yes, you were yes, such a yes, bad yes. woman that you actually made him prefer men, which is oh. ludicrous and bonkers, but I know a lot of women feel like that. Oh, yeah, okay. That have been in that position. I think, and I usually think early teens, because, you know, if people aren't sure that they have a... You know, because if you're just struggling with your own sexuality and you have a boyfriend and then, and he's your first boyfriend or first lover or first whatever, yes. and then the next thing you know is going out with a bloke, you think, well, I must have done something wrong. You know, it's a yeah, very... Uh, in a way, uh, I mean... It's not rational, it doesn't make sense, but it's a... But I suppose there's something we do, isn't it? Those who are close to us, they do something. You think, what, what did I do to precipitate yeah. that? Which is, you know... Um... Do you think that's what you thought when you were little? I think I boiled it down to he went for some reason I wasn't good enough to stay. That's where I parked Aww. it for me. I think for me mum. Um, How long did that stay for, that feeling? Oh, I think it's actually, it's only in the past couple of years, like two or three years ago, and seen the therapist, uh, it sort of like uh, verbalised it. So it's always been there. Did you resent your dad for putting your mum in that position? Do you feel angry with him? I think feel angrier now. I think for so many years, I just, I really didn't feel, I pushed down on feeling. You feel angry with him now? I think it's more a case of letting myself feel emotion around it. So, actually, okay. So I can, ba well, balance it. You know, I know he couldn't have stayed. No. 
And I've known that from... But you can rationally know it and emotionally not know it. I haven't dared to think what life would have been if we'd all stayed together. Right. And I think actually in a funny way, if I think about it, I think it would have been a bit shit. (laughs) Yes, I think you're probably right. (laughs) What? Nothing. He's just discovering his voice. Yes, brave boy. Yes, saving us from bugger all. Come on, boss man. You're stuck in the brambles now. Come on. Changing you in the ways of toxic masculinity. What? <laughs> Come on, mate. That's it. Shout first. Shout. <laughs>